0: The objective of this virtual clinic is twofold. First, increase adherence to the program with a real person allowing you to understand your results and to make something out of them. And two, longer term, act as the triage mechanism that we discussed before, which is a clinician reviews your results. If you are considered high risk, the clinician would get access to additional data, not necessarily data available to the user, to potentially prompt a referral to their GP to suggest Further diagnostics.
1: Welcome to Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today. And I'm your host, Eugene Burhovich. I thoroughly enjoy bringing you discussions with incredible industry leaders. And it would mean a lot to me if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Today, I speak with Sylvan Piquet, co founder and CEO of Five Lives. Five Lives, in their own words, leverages the new science of brain aging, neuroplasticity and cognitive reserve to help people aged 50 plus improve their brain health and prevent cognitive decline and dementia. But before we dive in, Sylvain first reached out to me in March of 2021 and humbled me that he listens to these DTX podcasts on his runs. Well, that's one way to be interviewed here. But on a serious note, neurodegenerative diseases are on top of mind of almost every human being. And I waited till the team got just a bit further along on their company journey to host this discussion. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sylvan. Sylvan, welcome to the DTX podcast. I know we exchanged kind of a while back over LinkedIn and thanks for reaching in and I've been keeping my eyes on you guys. And there's always comes a time that I'd love to get to know the amazing entrepreneurs out there. And so welcome to the DDX podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and please don't forget about at least one interesting fact.
0: Eugene, first, thank you so much for hosting me. I've been listening to your podcast since the get-go and I'm a huge fan. As I was telling you, I'm usually listening to you while running in the morning. So, you know, you're part of my world. I know you better than you know me. Let's put it that way.
1: I'm your morning intervention.
0: <laughs> you are, indeed. So I'm Sylvain, former exec in the world of ad tech, managing small to big commercial uh, teams within the mad mad world of uh, digital advertising, and uh, decided to move to the much more interesting and vibrant digital health space about five years ago. To join, who became my future co-founder and longtime friend Xavier at Peak Brain Training, where Xavier was a CEO and he was in search for a general manager. So we worked together a couple of years at Peak Brain Training, which is I don't know if you know uh, Peak, but it's one of the biggest brain games application, a consumer application, alongside uh, Lumosity, uh, Elevate, and others. And uh, after a couple of years together at Peak, we decided to leave and kickstart the company called Sharp TX, which became Five Lives to bring our consumer experience into the DTX world. That's about me and a small interesting fact about me that in spite of having lived 15 years in the UK in London, I could not get rid of my very strong French accent in spite of trying. So I would say so much for my brain neuroplasticity.
1: <laughs> well, I personally enjoy the French accent. Hopefully so do our listeners. Let's step back. So, I mean, obviously, decision to leave a company and start something else is usually a big one. I thought it was interesting that you said leave the advertising space back in the day to leave for a more dynamic and interesting space in healthcare. I think this is the first entrepreneur that I've heard use the word dynamic. But let's back up. And what was the actual prompt and instigation when the idea was born to start Five Lives? Or I know you've sort of changed the name. And we'd actually love to hear about Five Lives as the name itself as well.
0: Sure. Xavier and I are both sons of medical doctors in various fields, so we've born and raised in the medical field somehow to our parents. And while at peak, we were collaborating with many prestigious academic institutions such as Oxford, Cambridge, UCL, City University of New York, and great neuroscientist researchers were using the games for their own clinical research. One example, which I find super interesting, is a research team. I think it was the University of New York who demonstrated that peak games can actually be used to improve mood and motivation or alleviate symptoms of depression for people suffering from severe depression. So we've collaborated with many institutions and one step after the other... We got into the DTX space, firstly, by meeting companies and people working in the space. So I remember uh, hearing about Achille, meeting with uh, some people at Achille, then uh, Kaya Health in Germany, Wino Constantin, Big Health, and other companies. It was really an inspiration to us and also a wake-up call. We wanted to do something in that very space because it's fascinating, right, using digital tools to have meaningful physiological and psychological impact on people's quality of life as measured with the same tools as the pharma industry. So fascinating, super interested to take our business peek into the DTX world. With a, I think we had about 5 million monthly active users. However, we could not convince the shareholders. So they were not interested in the space. That's why we decided to leave and start Five Lines. When it comes to the name Five Lies, why Five Lines? Because Firstly, we wanted to find a lifestyle name, something that has a very nice rhyme to it. And the name Five Lives emerged from brainstorms. Initially, we wanted to leverage the concept of multiple lives, like in video games. It's never too late to become a better yourself, never too late to do something good for your brain, to embrace healthy habits, all of that. And why five? Because five is a great number. It's a number for change. It's a number for balance, natural balance. And when you think about it, we have five figures two legs, two arms, one head. It's a nice number and there is a nice rhyme to five lines.
1: Love it. I never thought of the number five that way, but now I will. Brain is one of the most complex parts of our bodies and specifically in there, dementia, it's a tough, tough field. How did you guys land on dementia as maybe one of the first problems to try to solve and in the preventative mode?
0: We've always loved big challenges and dementia is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest health challenge of our times. Still massively underfunded, still no really well-adopted therapy, even if uh, we are all happy that there is a drug that's been recently approved by the FDA from ASI. It can be somehow compared to the stage where oncology was probably 20, 30, maybe 40 years ago in terms of the funding and the number of drugs available. Since the very early days at peak, my co-founder, Xavier, has always been obsessed with brain training as a way of helping people reduce their risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. So it doesn't mean that there is strong evidence. The evidence is not yet rock solid in terms of the impact of brain training on cognitive decline. However, brain training is good to motivate people, to get them energized to do stuff in the day, improve the mood, etc. And most importantly, brain training is well established as a good marker for brain health. If you want to improve your brain health, you need to start by monitoring it regularly and that's what we want to use brain games for. So, why dementia? Why not other uh, conditions like we considered the traumatic brain injury, we considered anxiety, depression. We eventually settled with cognitive decline, more precisely than dementia, because it is usually prevalent. 50% of us, somebody around us, a friend or relative, older relative affected by a form of dementia. So, it is massively prevalent people are extremely worried about it and there is no cure, but yet there is hope. There is hope because prevention is absolutely critical. There are 40% of dementia cases which could be avoided with the right brain-healthy lifestyle. So things like exercising every day, even if it's mild exercise, if it's just walking or just cleaning your house, talking to your friends every day or your family, sleeping well, keeping your diet brain healthy, And most importantly, maybe for the brain, making sure you learn new things every day. You never take anything for granted. Keep learning, talk different languages, play instruments, whatever you want, but keep learning. So all of that, people mostly don't realize how important they are for your brain health and in terms of your brain health trajectory.
1: I also like to say, obviously from a commercial perspective, you know, always be selling, always be closing. And my comment always is ABL, always be learning as well.
0: Yes, ABL, absolutely. So we decided to go for dementia because researchers, people we work with, tell us that in the near future, dementia will be considered like a chronic condition that starts 20 years before symptoms and that can be managed like today you would manage your pre-diabetes condition, for instance. You want to manage your pre-diabetes condition to avoid becoming diabetes. We want to do the same with dementia. We want to help you. We all have somehow a pre-dementia condition, most of us. So that can be managed.
1: Well, that sound means it's time for a question from our amazing partner on this podcast, Chandana Fitzgerald, who is the CEO of Health Excel and as her friends call her, Dr. No Crack. Let's see what question Chandana has for our guest today. Hi, Sylvain. At what stage of life are you seeing people using your product? Is there a larger cohort of people who start looking for this app when a family member starts to show signs of dementia, or is it the average, aware, healthy person who's just being really proactive?
0: Thanks, Chandana, for the question. So we are primarily targeting the 50 to 80-year-old worried well. So it's pretty much anyone age 50 and above with big worriness to develop dementia. This often comes from having dementia cases around yourself older family member, older brother, sister, father, mother, or friends. It's such a devastating condition that it creates tremendous anxiety. When it comes to our users, their average age is about 60 at the moment in the UK. The UK is our largest market. But it can be anyone, age 50, 60 and above, mostly female. I think we have 80% ladies in our user base. It's pretty much anyone worried about dementia after the age of 50.
1: And I'm gonna hop in here. As you talked about the age of 50 to 80, let's just step back because as people are listening to this podcast, hopefully their visualization techniques are great. (laughs) Walk us through, A, how do people find you and what is that experience on your platform app? What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does it feel like to use Five Lives?
0: So how do we find our users? Firstly, we are initially a B2C business. That's how we are starting. So people find about us online, big platforms, social media, traditional Facebook, which is now more our category of age group than the younger groups, of course. So Facebook, Google, any means. So we are active there with ads that often refer to dementia prevention. Did you know that 40% of dementia cases could be avoided which triggers our audience to want to find out more. They go to our website, they find out about the scientific background, they find out there is an app, and those who are interested, download the app. It's a class one medical device registered in UK, Europe, and Australia. And uh, this device, the experience starts by having a personalized assessment of your risk of future dementia. So we are very clear from the get-go that it's not a diagnostic tool, It is a risk assessment that will give you your personalized individual picture of your brain health, that your brain health today, tomorrow, what are your factors of risk of dementia, what are your protective factors for dementia, and what do we recommend for you to focus on to improve your brain health. And then we direct users to the second big part of the app, the module. We call it Digital Coach. And I know you're very familiar with that concept, Eugene. So it is a lifestyle coach, like many other coaches the specificity is that it is a lifestyle coach targeting brain health. We call it act and learn. Act because we want you to embrace small incremental habits in your lifestyle, easy things to do that you can do on top of what you're doing already to improve your diet, to do more physical exercise, to pay attention to your sleep. Mental stimulation is obviously very important because we are a brain health company So we will give you things to do like brain games, but many other things to keep your mind stimulated. And we also want you to pay attention to your stress, to your mood, and we want you to stay close to your friends. All of that gamified in a way where you, we will reward you along the way by doing good things for your brain. So that's the act. And the learn part is about Taking our people in the journey, our users in the journey where they will learn about brain health step-by-step, starting with easy things, then becoming more sophisticated, if you like, or scientifically complex because the brain is the most complex thing in the entire universe. So it is complex. We are learning every day. We want to take that same journey in a gamified way again. So really these two aspects, the medical device part, the risk assessment part, and then the lifestyle coach.
1: It's interesting around the behavior change component that basically Five Lives as a platform as an app is, let's call it inspiring. But I'm curious if you're starting to see some early hints of the data and to the extent that you're willing and able to share how many active people are using this and et cetera, do you see people actually sticking to lifestyle modifications? I mean, we all know behavior change is super hard, right? And especially kind of long-term behaviors.
0: We are still very early days huh? because we launched the commercial version of the product a few months ago in October in the UK. We at about 50,000 users to date installed, as you would say, a few thousand active users, a few hundred paid users, so it's very early days. But we already have enough data to report, and I'm very happy about it, to report lifestyle improvement. So I will give you one number, after 60 days of usage of the app, two-thirds of our users report an improved lifestyle. We measure a lifestyle score, if you'd like, with the target of brain health. And two thirds sort of our users report improved lifestyle. The number one area where we are seeing progress is a physical exercise. We are seeing people reporting higher levels of physical exercise, probably because they had not realized how important working every day is and other things you can do, of course. They realize more the impact of exercise on the brain.
1: Before we dive deeper into the rest of the discussion on your evidence and the channels, I'd like to actually go back. I know you guys raised late last year, 3.7 million euros as your seed round. Obviously the climate has changed significantly. And what was that journey like? What was your pitch? And what do you see next in this environment for DTX companies?
0: We started operations a bit more than three years ago, late 2019. Actually, we raised 3.7 million to date. So that's our total amount raised today. We stayed on stealth mode for a long time during the clinical validation stage. And the later announcement in November actually referred pretty much to our UK commercial launch. That That's when we decided to announce the raise. In terms of the market, yes, it has changed. Of course, unfortunately, due to everything that's happening in the world, it is much more difficult We are actually raising now a seed extension, 2 to 3 million seed extension to uh, leveraging our commercial traction to keep iterating and improving the product, to keep growing the community of users. So there will be a lot of that raised to be spent in marketing, while we also explore B2B opportunities with pharma, with insurers, with health systems. So yes, the context is more difficult now. I think we had a couple of amazing years with covid for digital health in general, because people could not necessarily go and see the doctor. So there was an accelerated shift towards digital solutions. Now it's a very different context. It's harder. Investors want more proof of profitability or profitable growth and so on, you know the context.
1: You mentioned in this part of the discussion, you guys stayed in stealth mode while you were doing clinical validation. Maybe walk us through how you guys took the whole evidence generation and clinical validation journey. And are you thinking prescription digital therapeutic ultimately, or are you guys big believers that as long as you have RCTs and the data is very well studied, why go for a prescription? So just curious, how are we doing the evidence generation? And are you thinking PDTs?
0: So when it comes to evidence generation, we started in the UK with Dementia platforms UK from Oxford University. They are a great team of researchers focusing on early detection of dementia, prevention, and many other things. So we've been working with them since the start of the company. And our clinical validation is focused on measuring users' long-term risk of dementia and measuring what they can do about it and how personalized actions are likely to reduce that risk over time. So, we completed the stage one of our clinical research with DPUK. We had uh, over 500 participants followed over a period of three months. So, it took us a year and a half to finalize everything with these 500 people to build a normative database with a lot of data available for these participants, so, proper research. And we are at the fourth iteration of our machine learning algorithm. The algorithm was trained on a couple of databases, the biggest database being the UK Biobank database. And we keep improving it, the algorithm, notably improving it with normalized lifestyle data, so we can tell our users this is where you stand. We're talking about complex data points here, right? Like medical history, uh, lifestyle, etc. So if you want people to really engage with the data, it needs to be their data. And that's really the focus. Like telling you how you fare against your gender and age group, and uh, most importantly, What are the top two, three things you need to do to improve where you are?
1: We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Sylvain Piquet, co founder and CEO of Five Lives. It's always an interesting choice to start direct to consumer, right? And I think obviously an opportunity to really test the market, to get the larger data sets. You're in control of your own destiny as far as everything from advertising versus relying on, let's say, large employers or health plans to push your product out. You also mentioned that you are gonna be looking at some of that. How are you prioritizing and how are you exploring other
0: channels? Or is it just too early? It is a $10,000 question, Eugene. Only 10,000? 10, <laughs> <laughs> 10,000 a day, because I keep asking these questions every day. So we start at the B2C model, but we don't see ourselves being a B2C company in the long run. Many great DTX have shown the way. And if you think, for instance, about Kaya Health or Big Health, the thinking is starting B2C is great to accumulate data quickly, to know your users, to fine tune your product with lots of data, because you want to build the best product in its category. At the same time, you also need to discuss and engage early on with pharmaco, with insurance companies, with health systems even. So we, we talk to the NHS because you want to make sure that the product you're building is not only a nice product targeting the world we well a consumer product, but has the potential to help solve a much bigger problem that eventually will be eligible for prescription and reimbursement. So that's what we've been doing. The difficulty is to try and have these discussions, influence your roadmap accordingly without distracting your team from their number one priority, which is building a best product in its category. So that's the challenge. And that's why it's a $10,000 a day dollar question.
1: <laughs> you mentioned NHS and in my sort of previous lives, you know, maybe two lives ago, out of the five, I've spent some time in UK and I know lots of entrepreneurs were very frustrated on decision-making within NHS. I'll be honest, I have not kept up with it. If you can talk a little bit about how you're exploring NHS and maybe their thinking, I don't know, it's gonna be in your own words or your own interpretation of it, how they're thinking about digital therapeutics, if there's any updates from the UK.
0: I can only comment from our uh, side of the DTX, I cannot comment from other areas, but when it comes to brain health, we are having discussions with the NHS, but these are exploratory, and as I said, they are not a priority for us at the business because, first, our hands are full with the worried well segment, but second, because the greatest value for the health system, for the NHS, is not exactly what we can offer just right now. The greatest value for the health system will come from... Solutions like us, like our solution, used as pre-triage of people before they are referred to a diagnostic. One of the biggest issues of the NHS today is that people are worried about dementia. They talk to their GP. Their GP often send them back home, like, keep your brain active. At some point, they will send them to a clinic for a proper diagnostic test, which is often pen and paper. And when it's not pen and paper, it's costly, uh, CSF, CSF sampling... PET scan, etc. So the big problem is that there is huge waiting time and there are a lot of false positives. So 60 plus percent of people sent for a diagnostic come back home with no MCI, mild cognitive impairment status. So you don't have any clinical cognitive decline. So that's the number one objective if the NHS would be IP, I think, to prescribe solutions if they are validated pre-triage solution that will send to memory clinics only people who present high levels of risk. That's number one. The number two, I would say, are post diagnostics monitoring. So somebody diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, it's important to know that mild cognitive impairment, when you're diagnosed with that, you have pretty much 30% chance to develop dementia within three years. It's about 15% every year. It's really important to keep monitoring the patient closely so that they can receive the right level of care and come back to see their doctor when needed. At the moment... There is no MCI monitoring tool, therefore people come in for a diagnostic, they might come back home with an MCI diagnostic, and then they have to come back regularly. But then you have, again, the same problem of waiting times, etc. So when people come back, very often it's too late.
1: So NHS is one aspect of this. You've given it away by your French accent, last year i had the ministry of health on this podcast talking about their efforts of let's call it improving or building around or or on top of what germany has done with diga are you looking at france or germany as a market
0: definitely we are i mean french headquartered company uh, now started in the uk but we are french headquartered. france is definitely following the trend of germany we see the first dtx being prescribed like our friends from Tila Healthcare or Music Care. But it's still very early days, and in particular, very early days for our brain health space. We see Germany, because of the fact that they started DIGA a few years ago, to be more advanced on the brain health space. Germany is our priority in terms of B2B opportunities. We are partnering with a great team of Rocks Health. They are amazing. They know the space really well. They help us navigate through the German DTX landscape. They're really awesome. Thank you. Hi, Nikos. I know you listen to this podcast. Shout out. Yeah, shout out. What's important is that, again, we entertain discussions, we adjust our plans based on that, but we don't want to be distracted from our B2C priority, which means building the great product with great conversion and retention rates. Germany is likely to be the first market in Europe where I think potentially we could get some commercial traction on the B2B side.
1: Obviously you have an app in an app store, but I'm always curious how digital therapeutic companies are thinking about humans in the equation. And of course, selfishly, I always ask about live health coaches because part of it is, while there may be your digital coach and the content and guiding through, we all need a human to lean on. So I'm kind of curious on the dementia journey and how you guys thinking about it, live health coaches?
0: It's a very good question, Eugene. I didn't mention it, but we have won a grant in the UK to actually clinically design what we call the virtual clinic. So we are starting a study with Oxford again, whereby real clinicians, psychologists, clinical psychologists are going to have real people, 150 participants, with whom they are going to interact with teleconsultations using our app as a way to. Basically, first look at the results of the assessment, then establish an improvement plan. The objective of this clinical design is to define exactly the protocol of the short consultation through a clinician dashboard that we've developed with the objective to, at some point, integrate and scale that part into the user experience, either ourselves or maybe via telehealth partners who do that for a living. Or pharma companies who are developing telehealth capabilities, etc. Everything is possible. But the objective of this virtual clinic is twofold. First, increase adherence to the program with a real person allowing you to understand your results and to make something out of them. And two, longer term, act as the triage mechanism that we discussed before, which is a clinician reviews your results. If you are considered high risk, the clinician would get access to additional data, not necessarily data available to the user, to potentially prompt a referral to their GP to suggest further diagnostics. So that's the ambition of the Virgin clinic, to help us to become much more meaningful from a clinical side by being able to not only reassure the robot well, but also help with the triage of high-risk users.
1: appreciate that update, super interesting. With you, I'm going to start adding one question to, I'd say, new entrants into the space. And you guys are still relatively new. I'd love to know who inspired you or who do you look up to in the digital therapeutics industry?
0: When we started incubating the concept of Five Lives, we discussed with many people in the industry. And uh, one of the persons I've learned most from, kudos to him, his name is Vincent Helmand formerly exec at uh, Achille. Vincent knows the U.S. space really, really well. He was extremely helpful with all his advice, with his expert insight into the space, navigating the pitfalls of DTX and things to do, things to try and avoid doing, etc. So Vincent has been a great source of inspiration for us in how we basically stage the first milestones for our business. We didn't mention the U.S., Eugene, but obviously the U.S. is our number one long-term priority as most DTX, not only because of the sheer size of the market, but also because of the nature of it, of the market, very costly market, prevention is much more developed, markets that everybody wants to work for with one significant issue, which is it's super competitive. So with the U.S., you probably need to have a very strong partner like a pharma with whom you would basically uh, tackle the market. You need to be approved by the FDA, et cetera. So Vincent was very, very helpful in helping us prepare this long-term plan.
1: And then the usual to the listeners here, I'm going to kind of reverse it. You were looking up to someone or seeking help. Now there's always new entrepreneurs trying to enter or policymakers trying to learn or doctors trying to get their hands around it. Who would you choose to give advice to? And once you do here on the podcast, please go for it.
0: Okay, uh, with great pleasure, Eugene. So, my advice would probably be to other entrepreneurs like myself who want to make a dent to the DTX market. First, make sure your passion is rock solid because it's going to be a bumpy ride. So, make sure it is rock solid. Surround yourself with people ideally better than you, equally passionate. And my advice would be you will want to do a lot of things, you will want to do too many things. So, make sure that you have discussions with as many people as possible, that you have Several academic partners from multiple geographies, ideally, but shield your team. Shield your team. Make sure that you don't defocus them with too many things to explore. Be focused. Make sure you're passionate. Explore as much as you can, but shield your team and be focused.
1: Love it. And then we started with you and would love to end this episode, obviously, with you. What gets you up in the morning?
0: (laughs) What gets me up? I have to take my daughter to school. So, you know, that's a fairly, fairly strong reason to get up because I have to wake up. And this aside, we, and I include my team, we are all passionate about this topic. And after three years working on it, I think the love for the mission keeps growing, like a healthy relationship. The love for the mission, the love for what we can achieve, we somehow better and better realize why we are doing what we are doing. See what I mean? We started this mission with not really a super clear understanding of the space. And the more we are into it, the more we are motivated to do something about it. So I would say that's what keeps our energy levels up.
1: Thank you so much. And absolutely a big, big mission that you guys are driving towards. So thank you for being here. And I hope you, the listeners, enjoyed this episode.
0: James, thank you so much. I love the time with you.
1: Thanks for tuning into the Digital Therapeutics edition of Digital Health Today, a production of Mission-Based Media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, so you're automatically notified each time I speak with one of these amazing leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about Your Coach Health or Health Excel, you can find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. I'm Eugene Borovic, and catch you next time.